Well, good morning. It is good to be with you today. Uh, we're going to do something uh, together that's a little bit different to start off for the next few weeks. Um, we have, if you're new to us, we have uh, four mission points uh, that we in our global missions effort. And uh, every year we have kind of a mission Sunday where we get to hear from them. They usually put together a video. They send something to us to tell us how they're doing and what's going on. But we're at this spot right now where uh, we are seeking the will of the Lord and trying to figure out the best way uh, to be his people. And one of the things that we got to thinking about was they send us encouraging videos all the time. We need to send them something. So what we're going to do here in just a minute, as you can see, is Clark setting up. And we're going to do just a little short video to send to our people in Sao Luis, Brazil. And uh, we want you to know who they are first. So there's the Dyes and the Cavalcantes. And there's a picture of them so that you can see who they are. This is a group that we support in Brazil, in Sao Luis, Brazil. And so here's what we're going to do. In just a second, he's going to start the camera. I'm going to turn away from you for a little bit, and I'm going to talk to the camera. We're going to give them a blessing. We're going to pray over them. More than anything, we want them to know they have a church in Kerrville, Texas, that is supportive of them, not only financially, but with our hearts and with our spirit and with our soul. And we want to be an encouragement to them as they try to bring the kingdom uh, to this place in Sao Luis. So here's what I'd like for us to do. I know in our country, saying God bless you is too often used after somebody sneezes. But in uh, all over the world, when you start thinking about folks that are going to speak different languages, this is something they'll understand. So when it comes time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to point to you, and all together we're going to say God bless you. So let's try it, okay, so that they hear from the body. And he's going to be scanning across so they can see the, the wide church here and the people that are praising him. So here we go. Are you ready? One, two, three. God bless you. That's, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Okay. Here we go. Everybody, fix yourselves because here we go. All right. Good morning, church. Oh, not, not yet. I need to step back a little. Sorry. Say when. Good morning, church in Sao Luis. We are so happy to be here with you in video, and we want you to know that we want to bless you. We are happy to be partnering with you. We thank God for you. Uh, the Dyes and the Cavalcantes, we are so happy uh, that we get to support you in the way that we do, and we wanted to send you this message of support, too, from the whole church. We want you to know that uh, the Kerrville Church of Christ here in the hill country of Texas is praying for you. We're thankful for you, and we want to be an encouragement to you. So if we can, we're going to pray, and then we're going to send you out with a little short blessing. So let's, uh, let's pray. Holy God, we thank you so much for the work that you do all over the world. Lord, we are grateful that you provided partnerships for us, that you led us to a place where we could invest and we could sow into the kingdom of God. And through that, uh, people would come to know you. We're thankful for the church in Sao Luis. We're thankful that they are uh, pushing back uh, the darkness of the world and bringing the kingdom of God to that place. Lord, we ask that you would bless that congregation, that you would bless everyone from the oldest member there to the youngest child, that they would walk in your truth and in your life, that you would bring a, a great harvest from the work that they do, and many, many people would come to be yours and come to know you and to walk in the truth. Lord, we ask that you bless them, bless our work that we do with them. Let us be an encouragement to them in every way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And we'd just like to close out with saying, God bless you. All right. Well done. Well done. So for the next uh, four weeks, we're going to do that for all of our places. So this was uh, Brazil today. 
Next week we'll do one of our other locations. But I just want us to remember that you can't um, overestimate what encouragement does for people in the body of Christ. To know that there are people somewhere uh, that love you and that are supportive of you and that want you to do well and that are praying for you means a lot. And so we want to make sure that we remember the power of our words to support people and to be a blessing to other people. So we're going to be doing that for the next few weeks. Um, to begin with, we are in a process, if you are new to us, of revisioning the church. We are looking at where God wants us to be. Uh, we are in the asking phase right now. What we're doing is we're asking God to say, show us, show us how to be more yours. Show us your will and show us how to be part of it. And so through that, we're going to be spending several months praying and we're going to be asking God to guide us. Uh, today, if you've noticed when you came in and sat down, there's that beautiful lime green piece of paper there on your chair. And there's going to be an opportunity later today for you to respond in some way to that. As a matter of fact, as we talk, you might find a time where you go, hey, this made me think of something I want to put down. But this is our opportunity to pray together and to listen to you. We want to hear what you have to say. We believe God works through you and that God will speak to you and God will speak to all of us. And so uh, there will be this opportunity today for you to write something on that piece of green and we will pick that up and we'll end up praying over it. Uh, our text today, well, before I do that, I wanted to mention one last thing. 48 hours of prayer. we got 48 hours of prayer coming this next weekend. It begins Friday morning at 9, and it's going to end Sunday morning at 9 o'clock right before uh, we gather together. If you haven't had an opportunity to, uh, to find a time to come in and pray, there are still some times I don't think they're all in the middle of the night anymore. Uh, there will be somebody out there with an iPad to help you find a, a time if you would like to do that. But more than anything, I'm just excited over the idea that as a group of people, we are going to go and we're going to pray. And we're going to go before the Lord. And whether or not we come out of this with any great ideas or anything really doesn't matter. What matters is that we're going to be a people who are going to be closer to God because we spent time with him. Amen. We spent time holding on to him. We spent time asking him. We spent time in submission going, Lord, what would you have us do? And so that's going to be our uh, effort during this time. I want you to know if you did sign up for a time, you will receive an email from us this week that will remind you of your time. And we'll give you some instructions on what to do. Special parking that we will have for you. We want to make sure that you know if you're here in one of the later hours, someone from the safety team is going to be here. There will be somebody to let you in, which door to come in. There will be somebody to set you up. And we want to let you know that while you're in there, there will be all kinds of uh, uh, guidance for you if you need it. If you go, hey, I don't know if I can pray for an hour, don't worry. We're going to give you some things to pray about. We'll give you some prompts. We'll ask uh, for you to be praying. More than anything, what we want to pray is, Lord, guide us. Lord, open our eyes. Show us what you want us to be. Change our hearts. Make us more yours. So that's what we'll be doing more than anything. So thank you to those who have signed up, and we'll be keeping you informed about how that prayer time goes, and we can't wait to celebrate that next Sunday when we're here together. We'll be talking about how that went. So, okay. Uh, for today, Matthew 25, this is where we're going to be. Uh, we're going to be talking about the parable of the talents today. Now, I want you to know that um, this is a time where Jesus is already uh, coming to the end of his ministry. He's already made his way to Jerusalem. He's marching towards the cross. This is where he's going with purpose. He knows where he's heading. He knows why he's heading there. Uh, make no mistake, Jesus was not surprised at the fact that he ended up being put on trial and then crucified. He is making his way purposefully there. But one of the things that he starts doing as he gets towards the end of his time, 
and he gets to Jerusalem is he shifts his conversation with the disciples a little bit. Now the conversation's a lot more about, hey, I'm going to be gone, and here's some things you need to know. Here's some things you need to be prepared for. Here's some things that I expect from you after I'm gone. And so he's setting his disciples up to understand this is what's about to happen. And so he tells a few parables in a row, and this is one of them. And it's one that I think we probably get wrong pretty often. We have some misunderstandings about this, this uh, parable. In particular, there's two misunderstandings that I think happen a lot. The first one is that we look at this parable and we go, well, this is about money. Well, it's not just about money. You need to know that that's really not what this is about. It's about that and everything else and more. The other way that you can sometimes hear this is it's not about money. It's about our talents. It's about our natural abilities, the things that we're able to do. So we start looking at our talents and our giftings and the things that we're good at. And we go, it's about that. And you go, well, it's not really about that. It's about that and more. So there's more to it than this. And what we want to do today is to look at the deeper spiritual truths that come out of this. You can't take this, if there's one thing I want to guide us on before we go, you can't take this parable and do a one-for-one -one relationship with money, with the master as being God, and with reward. None of those you can take and go, well, this is exact, God is exactly like the master. It's exactly like the money. The reward is exactly what he says. It's not that. It's deeper than that. There's a spiritual truth in this that I would like for us to explore today and see what it is for us. Now, our, our natural first tendency with this, too, is to think individually. We take this parable and we lock it into ourselves and go, okay, this is about my gifts, my talents, my money, all of that sort of thing. Here's something else I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to approach this today as a church. And so it's not just that there's one person going before the Lord and being uh, as a servant. We're going to look at this and say, okay, as KCC is a church, how does this affect us? And that's why towards the end of this, you'll have this opportunity uh, to write on that piece of paper and to turn that in so that we can pray about that. So I'd like for us to look as a church at this parable and see what the deeper truths are in this. So let's start. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30 to begin. I'm going to read a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit. I'm going to read a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit, okay? So let's begin. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Jesus says, because he's continuing a few different stories, he says, again... It'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. It's a famous, famous parable. And you recognize this, I know, immediately. I've got, I want to tell you, I've got my friends uh, at Dunkin' Donuts. Y'all have noticed, I always show up here with a Dunkin' coffee on Sunday mornings. And one of the reasons is because I've made friends with the folks at Dunkin'. And uh, one of our folks, Sarah Bradshaw, was working there for a while, and she introduced me to them. So now when I come by and I get my coffee, they go, Scott, what are you preaching on today? So the Lord's provided this opportunity for me to make friends and to be able to talk about God a little bit. And one of the things that I've learned is I have to be, a, you, you ever heard of an elevator speech? Like you need to be able to describe what you're doing in the amount of time it takes for the elevator to go a few floors. Well, I've got the Duncan speech for my sermons, 
okay? If I can't explain in a short amount of time I have at Dunkin' Donuts what I'm going to be preaching about and what the real spiritual truth is, then I realize i got to go back and i got to look at this again. It's my Dunkin' speech. So hello to my Dunkin' people if you're watching online. Love you guys. But one of, this, uh, one of the things that I think is really important with this is for us to take this and, and not go with our first reaction. When I talked to them this morning, I said, I'm preaching on the talents. They go, I know that one. That's the one where the guy invested and he got more money and the guy who didn't invest, he buried it and he ends up in hell. And I was like, okay, hang on. <laughs> Let's stop for a second. Okay? So it took a little longer than normal for them to fix my coffee this morning because we had a little bit of a longer conversation with that. But our first reaction usually to this is to start thinking about what God has given me. We think about this and immediately we go, am I a five-talent guy? Am I a two-talent guy? Am I maybe only a one-talent guy? And we usually we start comparing and we start doing an inventory of ourselves. And I imagine that's the first reaction that happened in the story here, right? Is you kind of picture the master coming and lining you up. And if you're sitting there and you're the one-talent guy, you know, he puts it in your hands and maybe the first reaction is to go, how many you got? Like five, huh? You got two? Okay. I mean, this is the one where I, it reminds me of when I got put in the slow reading class, in, in, reading group in first grade, right? And so I start looking at this and going, man, my first reaction is to compare. And my first reaction is to take inventory of myself. And I want you to understand that that is not what this story is about. Because the first thing we do is start going, what do I have that's valuable? But this is not what you have that you think is valuable. What this story is about is what does the master think is valuable? For us, this story is about what does God think is a valuable thing to give us? Now, as a servant, you need to understand a few things that comes from this. One is the servants are completely dependent on the master. They don't own anything. You may be living in the master's house. You may be living on the master's property. You may be using the master's things, but you don't own anything. You are completely dependent on him in every way. But the interesting part about this is the master doesn't come and treat them just like a slave servant. As a matter of fact, one of the things that's said is to go, he entrusts his wealth to them. That's not normal servant-master relationship. There's something more to that. But the question becomes for us is not just self-reflective of going, what am I good at and what am I not good at? The question for us becomes, what does God find valuable? What does he say matters? What does he say is valuable? And the first thing we need to know about that and to remember is, man, what God sees as valuable is not often what we see as valuable. That's why so often our mind tends to go directly to money or the things that I'm good at. And you need to know, that's not how God weighs things of value. You start looking at our Heavenly Father and start watching the way that Jesus walked in this earth and you start seeing the things that he valued and you start seeing things that are a lot different than the way that the world values things. It's the hurting. It's the poor. It's those that are away from him. It's the ones that are treasured. There's one thing that we learn from the whole set of parables that come from the lost sheep and the lost coin and the, the prodigal son is the idea of going, do you understand what I think is valuable? It's the treasured that are away from me that I desperately want back. They're so valuable to me. And so, so often what happens is we replace what we think is valuable for what the master thinks is valuable. And you need to know more than anything 
That's not what we're doing. We need to discover what the Lord thinks is valuable. And it's not just hurting people. It's also the, the places that you've been put. It's the opportunities that you have. Whether or not you're an assistant principal at a school or whether or not you're a coach or whether or not you work in a bank, it doesn't matter what it is. God has placed you in these opportunities, these things of value, these locations, the people around you, the people that are hurting, the people that we love. All of these things are things that are of great value to the Lord. And so what we need to do is to understand he's entrusting us with something he finds very valuable, with his wealth. And that's not being treated like a slave. That's being treated like a partner. You're being invited into this relationship to be a partner. It's to go, I'm going to give you this wealth. And here's the interesting thing. He doesn't say, hey, I'm going to give you something valuable, and I want you to just watch it for me, or I want you to guard it, or I want you to protect it. What he does is he hands it to him and says, I want you to partner with me in this. I want you to use this in a way that I would use it. So this is not about what we have and our first reaction to go, what am I good at? This is really about what does the Lord have and what does he find valuable that he has put in our hands it's not ours just to keep because it's not ours. And it's not ours just to guard. We would be making a mistake if we did either one of those. What does God give us that is of value? And this is what we want to be looking at as a church. And it's a lot more than what we're just good at and our natural giftings. There's more to this story. So here's the second part that happens. After he hands this out and this is what the servants does, then let's pick up verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The master returns to settle his accounts. That's an interesting phrase that we had there. And you need to know that this is not about whether or not we're being promoted. And this is not about whether or not we reached a, a, some sort of commission. And it's not about you getting more. You do more to get more. And then I'll give you more. That's not what this is. If we take this and we put just a, a, a stamp of what we do in the world to go, it's about more, it's about getting more, it's about using more so that you have more, we've missed the point of what's going on here. Instead, what you have is the master saying that what I left you is not only what I find of value, but there's actual power and there's purpose in it. What I've left you has power and its purpose. There's this assumption in the way that he talks to them. There's this truth. And the truth is the master saying that if you take what I've given you that's valuable and you use it in the way that I would use it, things will change around you. There will be an impact on the world. You'll see a result. If you use this the way that I did, if you take what I give you that's valuable, you use it the way that I do, you'll see a result. And this doesn't mean that we look at this and go, uh, whatever I give you, it better be doubled. If I give you five, you better have 10. If I give you 100, you better have 200. If you're a church of 300 people, you better be a church of 600 when I come back. That's not what this is. We're missing the point of this. But the point is, the master's saying, I'm giving you something valuable. 
And it has an effect on people. It has an effect on the world. Things will change if you use this the way that I do. And it's not about who works the hardest. If this was about who works the hardest, then all of a sudden all the power's in your hands and you're the one that's doing all of the work. And you're the one who has the power. And it's not that. It's what the master has given us that has power. It's the gospel, right? I mean, for the Lord to go, here's what I'm doing is I'm going to put in your hands this gospel message, this message of hope, this message of reconciliation, this thing that will change the lives of people. And it's got power. and It's got a purpose. And if you'll use it the way that I do, things will change. And it's not about counting how many you return, and it's not about who's the shrewdest investor. It's something more than that. But it's only if we use it for his purposes, the way that he would, for his kingdom. Because he's saying, look, I'm building something here. There's something that I'm doing. And I want you to use this in the way that I want to. And really what this is, is it's this basic truth that's gone throughout Scripture. And it has to do with the fact that us being blessed, if, if we're the servants in this, and God is blessing us, and he's going, I'm going to put this in your hands, you need to know that we are being blessed instrumentally. We're not being blessed for this just to stop with us. You're being blessed as an instrument to go and be a blessing to other peoples. You've been blessed instrumentally. It goes all the way back to the beginning. This is how God always talks to his people. If you look at Genesis 22, verses 17 and 18, this is the Lord making his promise to Abraham. And sometimes we miss this part, but it's really important. When he tells Abraham what he's going to do through him, he says, I'm going to bless you. You're going to have all these descendants. But listen to the way he says it. I will surely bless you. And make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. We oftentimes look at this and we go, there was this great blessing that the Lord was handing off to Abraham. And you go, yeah. But when he did, he said, listen, through this blessing that I'm giving you and through my people, the whole world's going to be blessed. See, I'm building something. I'm starting something here. And through generation to generation to generation, what will happen is eventually the Savior of the world will come, and then everybody will be blessed. And so the blessings that we have as a church, the things that God has given us, the things that when we stand here as servants and go, what do we have that he's placed in our hands? You need to know we've been blessed instrumentally. The buck doesn't stop here. That's the whole point, is this that has great value to the master. If we use it in the way that the master would, things happen. People's lives are changed. We're a result of that. Those of us that follow the Lord, we understand that things have been changed for us. It's not about who's the shrewdest in business dealings. It's not about who can invest the best. It's not about who works the hardest. It doesn't celebrate the hardest worker. Right? If you look at this, you go, the guy with five, he came back with five. And the guy with two, he came back with two. And the idea is not to go, well, the guy with five who has five is better than the guy with two. That's not what this is. This is not a celebration of who works the hardest. This is a celebration of who knows and does the will of the master. That's what this is all about. And then there's this reward that he talks about. And if we're not careful, we mess this one up too. If you take the world's lens and you put this on top of the reward, they go, well, the reward is you get more. You do good, you get more. And I got to tell you, that doesn't seem to be the way that the Lord often operates. 
is just to go do more to get more, to do more to get more. That leads to a life cycle that would be exhausting for us. And one where you're always wondering where you've done enough. The reward is not in the fact that the guy who had five gets more and the guy who had two gets more. If you look at it, the reward is the master saying, now you, come share in my happiness. You, come into the party. When you do what I would have done and you make me happy, you need to know you get to share in that. It's the joy of the master. We know this. This comes from, you remember the study we did of the prodigal son? You remember the whole idea at the end of that was that the son who was gone, he came back, and the father goes, I'm throwing a party because I'm happy my son's back. And the older son's going, I'm not going in there. I'm not celebrating that. I don't think it's worth celebrating. And the, fa the father's begging him, please come in here and celebrate with me my joy, my happiness, that I have my son back. And at the end of it, you don't know whether or not he goes in. You don't know whether he comes in to celebrate and enter into the happiness of the master. That's what this parable is about more than anything. is for him to go, listen, here's the deal. My servants who I love, I'm going to take what is valuable to me and something that I think is very important, and I'm going to put it in your hands. And if you will take this, and if you will use it, for my purposes, in my way, you will see the power and you will see change in this world and my happiness will become your happiness. And you will be able to enter into it. We will celebrate what he celebrates. We get invited into the party. We get invited into his joy. Now here's the opposite. The rest of the story, verses 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and he said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now let's make sure we understand one thing here very quickly. This wicked and lazy servant, this is not about you didn't work hard enough and so I'm casting you out. That's not what this is. That doesn't go with anything that has to do with the gospel story. It doesn't have to do with anything that has to do with grace. Okay? This is not you're going to hell unless you do as much as I want you to do. We're mistaking this. We're not understanding the purpose of what this is. If you think about what was actually lazy and what was actually wicked in the eye of the master was him saying, look, I gave you this. And you didn't use it in the way that I would do it. Instead, you start thinking about this guy and going, listen, I got this thing, and I like things the way that they are, and I'm not going to rock the boat, and I'm certainly not going to lose this, and my main goal is to make sure I don't blow it. I don't want to blow it, so I get, I get stuck with fear. And I have this idea of going, one thing I can't do is I can't blow this, and I can't lose this. And a motivation of fear and of loss causes him to take what is valuable to the master, 
that is supposed to be used for the expansion of the master's kingdom. And make no mistake, that's what the master's looking at is to go, hey, listen, I gave this to you so that you would expand what's happening in my world. And instead, you took this and you buried it and you hid it away. You got so fearful and you got so afraid that what you did was you clutched it with a closed fist and you took it. And what we do when we have things that are valuable sometimes, and if we're afraid, then what we do is to go, I have something valuable, and what I can't do is lose what's valuable. So we hide away what's valuable so we don't lose what's valuable. And that is not the way that our master intended for us to use what he's given us. That's not the goal. He's building a people. He's building a kingdom. And the idea is not for us to go, look, I'm the servant. I already live in the house. I've already got the master's food. I've already got a place to live. I'm not going to ruin this, and I'm not going to do anything that might cause it to be ruined by any other person or any other thing. So what I'm going to take is I'm going to take this, and I'm going to hide it away, and I'm going to save it so nothing changes for me. I don't want to have to actually be bold in sharing this. I don't actually want to have to go out and look in the way that the master would look and see people in the way that the master would see people. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold this tight. I'm going to stay right here. And I'm going to make sure that I don't blow it. And what ends up happening with that is you've got to wonder whether the master came back and goes, it's like you don't know me at all. It's like you don't get me at all. You've lived in my house. You've watched me be generous with you. You've watched me shower you with these talents that were not yours to give to you. And then you just took that and you buried it and you hid it. It's like you don't know me. And because of that, the result is you're not going to be able to enjoy what the master's happiness is. You won't be in the party. It's not that I'm just locking you out. You have decided not to come in. Your joy is not the same as my joy, and your happiness is not the same as my happiness, and you're not looking at this the way that I have been looking at this. And because of that, you're going to end up at a place where you're frustrated, and there's going to be weeping, and there's going to be wailing, and there's going to be gnashing of teeth. And the reason is because you don't know what it is about me that I'm doing, and you've decided not to partner with me in this. And oh, you're going to miss. You're going to miss the joy, and you're going to miss the happiness. The biggest tragedy is that he doesn't partner with the master and he misses out on the happiness. That's not what we want to do. That's why we're doing what we're doing. What we want to do is be a people who understand the value of what God's placed in our hands, no matter what it is. If it's people, if it's this town, if it's this this opportunity, if it's this building, if it's us, all of these things that we have, and to go, what is it that would make the master happy with this? How do we take this and use this in a way that we know would glorify him and make him happy so that we can enter into this joy that he would have when we use it in the correct way, when we become his people in that way? He's trusting us with some things. He's trusting us with some valuable things. And what we want to know is how do we use these in a way that will glorify our God? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a, a, a few minutes And I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you if you would take that card, because I want to know, what do you think God's placed in our hands that's valuable? What do we have here in this area? What opportunities do we have in this town, in this area, in this world, in this place? What opportunities do we have? What things of value has God placed in our hands that we need to make sure that we're being faithful with? 
We want to hear from you, and then we're going to spend some time, and we're going to pray over that together as a church. But this is our opportunity to discern together what it is that God is guiding us in. So what we're going to do is we're going to try and set our minds like the master does. And we're going to try and be thinking the way that he would. So I'm going to pray. We're going to have just a little bit of background music for you to take a moment, pray over this at your, uh, at your chair, write something down. We'll collect them here in a minute, and we'll pray over this. Let's bow with me. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that you have invited us to partner with you in your work in this world. Lord, we know that we're not just slaves to you, but we are beloved, that you have uh, sacrificed so much for us to become sons and daughters. And Lord, we know that you've entrusted us with things too. And it's not that you're looking to see how hard you can work us on this. It's that you're looking to see how we can enter into your joy and your happiness and be part of your plan. Lord, we know your great desires for all things to be reconciled under the lordship of Christ. And so, Lord, we ask you, guide us, point us in the right direction. Tell us how we can better be your servants, using these things in a way that honors you and glorifies you. So, Lord, we ask during this prayer time that you would open our eyes, open our ears, and point us where you would want us to go. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.